Lord, for those that stood just a moment ago who gave years in the armed forces to serve, we are most grateful. We recognize, Lord, that um, peace is costly, and we honor those today who have served, who are a part of the Emmanuel family and other churches around the world. We also pray for brothers and sisters who are not in safe places, but who worship today with full and glad hearts because they know their Redeemer. And we rejoice today with them that you are greater than any problem that they face, that you are stronger than any weak spot that they find themselves in. And that relationship with you is deep and fulfilling and satisfying, whether we're in safe spaces or not. So today, we pray for peace, particularly for brothers and sisters that are in harm's way. Give them courage and strength to stand for you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So for several weeks now, I've been in a series of messages entitled Better For It, How to Overcome the Trauma of COVID. We've all been traumatized these last 20, 21 months. And we've been looking at the six responses that everybody has to trauma. The first three everybody has, the second three you have to choose. There's always a shock. Think of Job. There's always sorrow. There's always struggle. Everybody goes through that. But the next three you have to choose. Surrender, sanctification, and service. They don't come automatically. You have to intentionally say, I will take the bad in my life and allow God to make something good from it. Last week, I talked about surrender. This morning, I want to talk to you about sanctification, a very big word that is confusing to some, and yet it's a biblical word. To sanctify, to make holy, to set apart for God's exclusive use. But it really means, more than anything else, one thing. And that is, God has determined that his purpose for your life is to make you like Jesus Christ. We talk about the purpose-driven life, and some of you think, well, the purpose-driven life is I'm supposed to be an accountant, or I'm supposed to be a plumber, or I'm supposed to be a business person. No, 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 listen. God may call you as individuals to specific careers, but God's great purpose for your life is to conform you into the image of Jesus. Listen to this, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. From the very beginning... It has been God's plan that you should become like his son. From the very beginning, Ephesians 4.15, God wants us to grow up and to become like Christ. Now you see, some people think that it's God's job to give you a comfortable life. It's God's job to give you a great job 
to give you a great home, to give you financial security, to give you good health. And while God may bless you and I with many of those things, God actually has a higher purpose and a deeper purpose inside of you, and that is to make you like Jesus Christ. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, I mean, what does that look like to be like Jesus? Here's an, here it is right here, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Have you ever asked yourself the question, okay, if God's plan for my life is to become more like Jesus, what exactly does that mean? It means this, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Here's Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our, love, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to see Jesus, just go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If you want to know God's purpose and plan, if you want to see God's vision for your life, God creates good experiences and God allows bad experiences all for the purpose of bringing about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Now, the big question is, okay, if that's God's vision for you, how does he make that happen? You ready for this answer? by putting you in situations that are the direct opposite of those things. How do you become a more loving person? Well, God allows you to be around a bunch of people that drive you crazy. If you're sitting next to your spouse, don't say anything. How do you become more patient? God puts you in situations that are frustrating. How do you become more kind? God puts you around a bunch of irritating people that drive you nuts. The very things that we don't like, God uses to produce Christ's likeness inside of him. I mean, it's sort of like going to the gym. Can you imagine going to the gym and saying to the person at the gym, you know, I'd love to be more muscular, but I don't want to have any strength resistance. Um, I'd like to take off 30 pounds, but, you know, I don't like sweating. You know, I'd like to have a leaner body mass, but I'm not going to have to work too hard, will I? You see, we want all of those things. We want this, the blessings of God. And yet, when God puts resistance in our lives, we bucket. We go, whoa, I don't know if God's good because I'm in a job right now that I don't like. Well, you, you, you may be in a job right now you don't like, but that's actually not about the job. It's about what God is doing inside of you to produce more of the fruit of the Spirit. So God uses a lot of trouble to transform us. And sanctification is the process that God uses in your life and my life to get you to become more like Jesus. And my friends, that road is rocky from time to time. If there was ever a person in the Bible who experienced this sanctification process for all to see, it is, of course, the Apostle Paul. So go in your Bibles, if you have them, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 8 and go all the way to verse 17. 
This is a densely packed portion of scripture, so I'm going to ask you to hang in there with me, and would you stand as we look into God's word together? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 8, all the way down to verse 17. The Apostle Paul is describing an experience or a series of experiences that he had that drove him to the edge. You ever been to the edge? God will take you there. And he won't take you there because he's mean. He'll take you there to refine you and to make you more like Jesus. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through sufferings, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I'm getting excited, so I'm just going to read one more verse. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, this moment, make the words that are about to come out of my mouth be like a laser that speaks to us individually where we're at in our walk with you and corporately of where you're taking Emmanuel Church. For your glory, Jesus, amen. You may be seated. It seems to me as I meditate on this passage of scripture that there are three ways that God makes you and me more like Jesus. The first is we got to realize that every problem has a purpose. Every problem has a purpose. Now, some people think that when you become a Christian, your problems go away. <laughs> Seriously? Um, when you become a Christian, some problems do go away and you gain a whole bunch of others. You know why that is? Because you and I live in a broken world. Politics is broken. Government's broken. The economy's broken. The weather's broken. 
Our health is broken. We just live in brokenness. And you know what you want to add complexity to that? Not everything that happened in this world and happens in this world is God's will. It's not God's will that you get cancer. It's not God's will that you and your spouse are constantly just fighting it out. It's not God's will that there be divorce. It's not God's will that you were abused. It's not God's will that people slander and gossip and have sex outside of marriage. Pornography is not God's will. Gender confusion is not God's will. Hey, late spring, early summer, I'm preaching a couple messages on gender confusion. It'll blow your mind, but it'll be great. Do you think God is really up there in heaven saying, I'd like to make a person so that they're a little confused as to whether they're a male or a female? You think God's like that? No. All gender confusion is because we live in a broken world. And as the body of Christ, it's our job to come alongside people that are a little confused and point them to grace. There's lots of things that happen to you that were not God's will. But God has determined that whether good or bad has happened to you, he will bring purpose out of it. The apostle Paul faced a lot of problems in his life. Listen to the list of them. He was completely surrounded by troubles. I take that to mean that he had troubles at home. He had troubles at work. He had troubles at church. He had trouble physically. He had trouble financially. He had trouble emotionally. He had trouble spiritually. Um, there's a Greek word that, does, that, that is translated in English called perplexed. The Apostle Paul said that there was a season of his life in which he was perplexed. You know what that Greek word means? At a loss as to know what to do. I don't know. I love that. The Apostle Paul, there were moments in his life when he was like, I got nothing. I don't know what to do. He was under constant danger of death. He was beat up, left for dead. I mean, he was a man who had many troubles. Now, interestingly, in these verses, Paul says something about the purpose that he saw his own troubles producing. Just two. That people would see God's power on display in his life. Have you ever heard the phrase, I just don't know how people do it who don't know the Lord? The Apostle Paul would say the same exact thing. He's just a regular guy. Sometimes we put the Apostle Paul up on this pedestal, but we have to remember that like Elijah, he was a man just like us. James says that. Paul was a man just like us. Yes, he was brilliant. Yes, he was educated, but he was certainly flawed. And it's this regular guy who was called by God to be a missionary. He went through things in his life where he was like, I don't know how anybody does this if they don't know Jesus. And so God's power is on display in his lives. Hey, people are watching you. You know that? Your kids are watching you. Your grandkids are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. Other Christians are watching you. 
And we have the opportunity to put on display God's power. I mean, not our power, because we don't have unlimited power. But there are times in our life in which we just go, I don't know what to do. I don't know how much longer I can take it. But, I, but when we press into the Lord and he gives us the kind of power to endure, persevere, and overcome, other people go, that's unbelievable. And then we have an opportunity to say, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit at work in my life. The second purpose that Paul saw in all of his problems was it was really to help other people. Why was he beaten and tortured? Because he was preaching the gospel. Why was he preaching the gospel? Because it's the power of God to save men and women. And so, listen, you and I are here today because the apostle Paul didn't give up. You remember a series of messages back in the summer I was preaching called Ghost Stories? And there was one of those, one of those sermons where I talked about how God called him to Macedonia, which is today Greece, which is the leap from Asia into Europe. God called him out of Asia to go into Europe and the gospel spread all throughout Europe. You're here today if you have European descent because the apostle Paul saw a vision and was obedient to it. Listen, the purpose of your life, the purpose of problems is for other people to see Jesus in you. Most of the problems that you have, isn't this true? Most of the problems that you have are because you're trying to help other people. You got job problems? Why do you have a job? Because you're taking care of your family. Many, many things that you and I experience are just uh, difficult things that we experience are because we're just trying to do right by other people. Now, let's drill this down a little bit deeper. God has been using all the problems of the last 21 months. Masks, no masks, follow the science. Okay, which science? Vaccination, no vaccination, racial tensions, cancel culture, the economy, the divisive political climate. God has been using it all to listen, to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. So let's just do a little test here. Let's go back to the fruit of the Spirit. If, if being like Jesus means demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, then we're going to have to ask ourselves this question. Have you become more loving in the last 20 months or less loving? Have you become more joyful or less joyful? Have you become more peaceful or less peaceful? Have you become more patient or less patient? Have you gotten kinder over the last 20 months or are you less kind than what you used to be? Good. Are you, are, you, are you doing good or less good? Are you more gentle or less gentle? Are you more faithful to Christ and to those relationships that help define you or are you less faithful? Have you been practicing more self-control over the last 20 months or less self-control? Let's check your Facebook page. You know where I'm going with this, right? The last 20 months has been an opportunity of a century, certainly your lifetime and my lifetime, to be honed, to be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. How you doing? You know what I'm reading articles on? How divided the church is these days. And I think to myself, why are we divided? We're, we're Jesus people. 
And all the craziness of the last 20 months has actually been God's purpose for you has to make you, to have you to be more like Jesus. Wow. Number two, how does God make you more like Jesus? God promises to take the bad and turn it into the good. Verse 17, for our present troubles are small and will not last very long. That's having perspective, people. Our present troubles are small and will not last that long. Yet they produce for us a glory. What is glory? Glory is experiencing the presence of God in your life. That vastly outweighs them, meaning the troubles, and will last forever. And then I have to put this one in Romans 8, 28. If you've been a Christian for more than five years, you probably know this scripture passage. For we know that God causes everything to work together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice the phrase, God causes everything to work together for the good. The good and the bad. It doesn't say that everything that happens to you is good. Holly typically comes to the second hour, but if she were here in the first hour, it'd be kind of cool to bring her up on the platform and just interview her to say how much trouble we've had through the years. See, we're just like you. We have all kinds of trouble. But the reality is God uses all of those things in our life that we'd rather forget for his glory and your benefit. So it's fall. And I like molasses cookies, so I thought I'd make some cookies in the middle of the message. Yes, it's true. Josh, come on up. Get a camera on me. I feel like I'm on the cooking show, the Food Network. Hello, online audience. It's good to see you. All right. I went to allrecipes.com. Here it is. Three quarters cup margarine melted. One cup white sugar. That's a lot of sugar. One egg. I know you're pretty excited over there, Candace and Sierra, aren't you? All right. There we go. A quarter cup molasses. Why are you saying ooh? <laughs> this is goodness. <laughs> Two cups of all purpose flour. Holly told me to get unbleached. Two teaspoons baking soda. Um, a half teaspoon salt. Um, one teaspoon ground cinnamon. Uh, 
Is that good enough? All right, we got it. A half teaspoon ground cloves. A half teaspoon ground ginger. Now, all of this goodness mixed together. You ready for this? This is where the magic happens here. Oops. You see this? It's getting there. Look at that. Ooh, I can smell it. It smells good. Come on, Greg. Doesn't that look like goodness right there? You're lying. It looks terrible. I'm just saying. But, but you know what? I baked these yesterday. You want to give them a shot? Go ahead. Absolutely. The whole row. Go ahead. All right. See, there are advantages to sitting right up front. I'm just saying. Next Sunday, front row's packed. Okay. Okay, Greg, look, at, we're going we're gonna to bake this in between services. Okay. Just take it right back to the kitchen. Go out that door. We got somebody out there. They've got the oven on. Okay? Now, everybody is getting a cookie at the end of the sermon from Tabora Farms. We got molasses. We got sugar cookies. I know. Hallelujah. You're blessed. All right? We got chocolate chip cookies. We got sugar cookies. Everybody gets a cookie on your way out. Here's the thing about that recipe. Each one of those ingredients by themselves doesn't taste very good. I've never sat down and had flour for dinner. Maybe some of you like raw eggs. I have a gag reflex when I think about raw eggs, eating them. Even sugar, right? I mean, sugar, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the... But you don't want to have a bowl of sugar. This is what sanctification is. God takes... All the ingredients that do not taste good by themselves, but mixed together in the right proportion specifically for you comes out something very good and something very wonderful that you can benefit from. That's it. All of the things in your life, the bitter things, the hurtful things, the painful things, God has promised, because he's the master chef.
He has promised to take all of those things that are unique to you and he mixes them all together. Boom, something good comes out. Yes, you can still look on those bitter things and say by themselves they were very, very painful. But when you mix them with a lot of other things, they're unique to you. The Bible says good things come from bad things and it calls them glory. Glory is seeing God's presence at work in your life as he's mixing all those things together to bring something good from it. Now, there is one thing that you must do to get to glory, and that is refuse to give up. Verse 16 says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do, not, we, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He endured the cross. He disregarded the shame. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people, and then you will not become weary and give up. In 1968, the Summer Olympics was held in Mexico City. Mexico City is a very high altitude city. A runner from Tanzania by the name of Stephen Awari was already a world-class runner. He had, he, had run, he had run and won marathons all over the world. And on that day in the Summer Olympics, he was one of 75 world-class runners. But Stephen hadn't trained for the high altitude and so just a few miles in, he started to get cramps. And those of you who are runners understand that cramps are just unbelievably painful as you're running. But he pressed through it and he just kept running. Halfway through the race, Stephen got caught up with some other runners and fell. And scraped up his leg really bad, scraped up his shoulder really bad, and dislocated his knee. but he kept running. Later that night, an hour after the winner had crossed the finish line in the huge stadium in Mexico City, most people had already left the stadium. There's only like a couple thousand people left. And here comes Stephen Awari limping along. And people stood up and clapped. And he was the last of the 57 that had finished from the original 75. A reporter ran down to the field and said to him, Stephen, why didn't you just give up? It's obvious that your knee is dislocated. Why didn't you just give up? And Stephen said these words. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. You are never going to become more like Jesus if you have a give up spirit. It just doesn't happen. 
when things happen to us, we just fall down in discouragement and say, oh, it's no good. I can't overcome that addiction. I've been trying for years. Get back up. You got to have a Stephen spirit inside of you. You know what I'm saying? God made you to win. And sometimes the pathway to winning is ugly and painful. All you got to do is endure and just get right back up. Sometimes it means the shifting of our prayers. Like, instead of praying all the time, oh God, give me comfort. Why don't we start praying bold prayers like, oh God, conform me to the image of Jesus. Instead of praying, oh God, get me another job. For some of you, the better prayer is, oh God, help me to be Jesus in the job that you've given me. You always have two choices with your troubles. You can whine, whine and blame other people and just be depressed all the time. Listen, when you've gone through bad things, you can let those things, I talked about this last week, you can let them destroy you, define you, or develop you. It's your choice. Nobody else can make it but you. But God has put inside of you a Stephen spirit. We see it with Paul. That's why we never give up. So my latest hero is a guy at Planet Fitness. You know, I go to Planet Fitness every day. And I just happen to be on the same schedule as this really old guy. And I've never met him. I haven't built up the courage yet to, to meet him. Danny's sitting here. He's probably seen him. This old guy walks in with a cane every day like this. And then he goes and does his exercise routine. The other day, and he's been doing this for years. The other day, I saw a shirt that he was wearing that said, never give up, never dot, give dot, up dot. And I thought, that guy's my new hero. A guy that comes to Planet Fitness with a cane dragging his foot. If he can do it, I can do it. But he's got a Stephen spirit inside of him. So here's my thought. I'm thinking that some of you need to confront either past or present trouble and surrender it to the Lord and say from this moment on, I'm going to see that trouble, that pain, that problem. I'm going to see it in a different way. I'm going to see it as God using that. That God didn't cause it, but God using that to develop me into the image of Jesus Christ. And instead of fighting it, instead of denying it, instead of trying to push it away, I will now embrace it and say, help me, Jesus to be more like you through that really challenging event. Let's bow our heads together. The worship team is gonna have a closing song and um, as they sing, I just wanna give you the opportunity to get up, stay right where you're at. You don't need to come forward. You don't need to do anything, but just stand up and that'll be your way of saying, 
I'm going to transform my trauma and trouble into something beautiful that God uses to make me more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is so faithful. Usually the Holy Spirit puts his finger on one event, one situation and says, that's it. And that's symbolic of many other things in your life perhaps, but it's usually one. And if you wanna be conformed to the image of Christ today, while the worship team sings, why don't you just stand up and that'll be your silent testimony to say, I will not allow this thing to defeat me. I will not give up. Yes, I have problems. They will not overcome me. I will overcome them. And my life will be a testimony to the glory and the goodness of God. I'm not there yet, but one day I will be by faith. And I want God's glory to shine through me. I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.